0: M-S-W-Media. A big thanks to Athletic Greens for supporting The Daily Beans. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And thanks to Aura Frames for supporting The Daily Beans. Aura Frames makes digital picture frames designed to easily fill your home with photos of family and friends shared instantly from an app. From now until Father's Day, save on the perfect gift and get up to $20 off your order while supplies last by going to auraframes.com and use promo code DAILYBEANS. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, June 9th, 2022. Today, the select committee investigating Trump's plot to overthrow democracy will air its first hearing tonight across all news networks at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Donald, Ivanka and Junior must sit for depositions in the New York Attorney General's investigation into the family's practice of falsifying business valuations to defraud taxpayers. John Eastman must hand over another 159 emails including one that's subject to the crime fraud exception. And House Democrats are investigating whether Donald stole more shit. I'm your host, Alison Gill. And yes, everyone, I know Fox won't be airing the hearings, which is why I said it would be airing across all news networks. <laughs> and I know most of you caught that too. Dana is traveling today, so I'm going to go over the Eastman ruling and what the committee plans to reveal tonight during its hearing. Later, I'll be joined by my friend Lincoln's Bible to read your good news submissions. If you have any good news submissions, confessions, corrections, pod pet tax, anything you want to send in, you can do so by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. Now, I'm actually at Lincoln's Bible's house right now. So I'm excited about that. i am be heading up to a friend's to watch the hearing on Thursday. So I'm, I'm excited that LB is going to be with us later. All right, everybody. There's a lot to get to. The news did not stop yesterday. No matter how hard I willed it to, it would not. It kept coming. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. So there's an old saying in the government. I actually learned it back in my Navy days. And I'd be lying if I said I didn't rely on it from time to time in my life. And that saying is that it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. And while that's sound advice, if, say, you're going to get a tattoo, uh, you know, or you're going to sneak out of your dorm to meet your friends, it's exceedingly bad advice when you're plotting to subvert the Constitution to overthrow democracy by sabotaging the peaceful transfer of power. Yet that is exactly what a high-level Trump lawyer advised the Trump legal team to do in a John Eastman email described by a federal judge as falling under the crime fraud exception for attorney-client privilege. According to a ruling issued late Tuesday night, after I was nestled in bed between two sleeping cats, here's what it says. Quote, "This email, when we're talking about the crime fraudy one, this email considers whether to bring a case that would decide the interpretation of the Electoral Count Act and potentially risk a court finding that the act actually binds Vice President Pence because the attorney concluded that a negative court ruling would quote tank the January 6th strategy." He encouraged the legal team to avoid the courts. This email cemented the direction of the January 6th plan. The Trump legal team chose not to seek recourse in court. Instead, they forged ahead with a political campaign to disrupt the electoral count, unquote. And it says here one of Trump's top lawyers, right? This could be Jenna Ellis. It could be Boris Epstein. It could be Rudy Giuliani, Kenneth Cheesebro. Maybe Sidney Powell, Jeffrey Clark, one of those dickbags, decided it was better to ask for forgiveness than permission. They posited that if they went to court to find out if the courts would be cool with their fraudulent elector scheme, the court would probably say no. That's sketch as fuck. And the whole thing would be tanked because they would have been told by a court ahead of time that the shit was illegal instead of just pretending that they thought it was totally legal and totally cool. They didn't want to ask for permission. They think it's easier to ask for forgiveness. Will the Department of Justice give it to them? That's the question. So they said, let's avoid the courts and just do the thing we all know is totally illegal. Let's not ask if we can. Let's just do it and see if we get away with it. And that goes to the heart of intent. And the judge said about the plot to not ask and just do it quote, lawyers are free not to bring cases. They are not free to evade judicial review to overturn a Democratic election, unquote. Accordingly, this portion of the email the judge continues is subject to the crime fraud exception. It must be disclosed. Other notable things in this Judge Carter ruling from page 20, it says, quote, the court previously held that from January 4th through 7th, 2021, President Trump and Dr. Eastman likely committed obstruction of an official proceeding in violation of 18 U.S. Code 1512C2 and conspiracy to defraud the United States in violation of 18 U.S. Code 371 when they attempted to disrupt the joint session of Congress on January 6, 2021. Because the remaining protected documents predate that time period, the judge is saying because this new batch predates January 4th through the 7th, The court will now determine whether those attempted crimes began earlier. Now, the previously disclosed documents, the ones we got before, indicate that Dr. Eastman and President Trump's plan to disrupt the joint session was fully formed and actionable as early as December 7th, 2020. On that day, Dr. Eastman forwarded a memo explaining why January 6th was a hard deadline that was critical to the result of this election for the Trump campaign. That was that email with the memo to Rudy Giuliani, the cheese bro memo. (laughs) I cannot laugh. Sorry, it's not funny. Now, it's of note that in the Proud Boys seditious conspiracy indictment we got this week, Tario had a discussion with somebody named Person One, who was another Proud Boy named Bertino, who said to him, it has to be done today or it's not valid, talking about the certification. That's incorrect. But when you look at Dr. Eastman's cheese bro memo forwarded to Giuliani, That said January 6th was a hard deadline critical to the result of the election. And then you've got Proud Boys parroting that incorrect assumption? Huh. Interesting. Seems like the boots on the ground were aware of the deadline imposed by Eastman. Or at least discussed by this group of eight lawyers. Also of note, Judge Carter mentions Donald by name 40 times and ties him directly to Eastman as a co-conspirator in very straightforward terms. You heard in that last quote that I just read, quote, Dr. Eastman and President Trump's plan to disrupt the joint session was fully formed and actionable by December 7th, 2020. Now, now that we knew from the last batch of crime emails that that was the case. So the judge goes on to say that this new batch also confirms that Trump and Eastman's plan was established well before January 6th. This wasn't spontaneous. And this is when we learned the details about a few meetings that took place in December. And listen to the judge link Eastman and Trump together again. He says in an email on December 22nd, 2020, an attorney with the Trump legal team referred to the January 6th strategy as a known plot to eight other people. Two days later, Dr. Eastman explained that the worst case for the plan would be receiving a court decision that constrained Vice President Pence's authority to reject electors. Dr. Eastman and President Trump's plan to stop the count was not only established by early December, it was the ultimate goal that the legal team was working to protect from that point forward. And by protect, the judge means didn't go to court. Right? Kept it, you know, from being ruled illegal. Officially. And the judge gets to Eastman's First Amendment claim next, and he's here's here's what he says. Dr. Eastman claims that the First Amendment protects 30 of these documents involving a group of, quote, civic minded citizens of a conservative viewpoint who meet semi regularly to socialize and discuss issues of public concern, unquote. OK, um, civic minded citizens. Dr. Eastman contends that disclosure would deter people from participating in potentially controversial groups. Are you criming? Now, I don't know for sure, but that sounds to me like the uh, Sidney Powell, Patrick Byrne, Mike Flynn, Pillow Man, Linwood key parties they kept having at Linwood's plantation. Yes, plantation, where they planned a coup. Anyhow, it might be that. It might be some other civic-minded group. (laughs) Of these 30 emails, the judge says 20 of them are basically irrelevant to the investigation, and they could, I guess, chill your right to hang out with douchebags at a plantation so you can keep those but 10 of them? Let's talk about 10 of them. The court's review reveals that the other 10 of the 30 documents are more closely tied to the select committee's investigation and present a closer question as to whether or not to hand them over. All of these documents relate to three meetings in the first two weeks of December 2020, which all included presentations on topics related to the election and the group's broader interests. Four documents pertain to a meeting on December 8th, 2020. Two emails, are the group's high profile lawyer inviting Dr. Eastman to speak at the meeting and two contain the meeting's agenda. Based on the agenda, Eastman discussed, quote, state legislative actions that can reverse the media called election for Joe Biden, also known as the actual fucking election for Joe Biden. Another speaker gave an, quote, update on state legislature actions regarding electoral votes. Five documents include the agenda for a meeting on December 9th, 2020. The agenda included a section entitled Ground Game Following the November 4th Election Results, during which a sitting member of Congress discussed a, quote, plan to challenge the electors in the House of Representatives. One document contains the agenda for a meeting on December 16th, 2020. This meeting similarly had a section on the Ground Game Following November 4th Election Results. In this segment, an elector for President Trump analyzed the constitutional implications of the Electoral College meeting and what comes next. The select committee has a substantial interest in these meetings, the judge says, because the presentations furthered a critical objective of the January 6 plan to have contested states certify alternate slates of electors for President Trump. The week before these meetings, Dr. Eastman sent memos to high-level White House staff explaining that a January six plan required legislators, quote, to determine the manner of choosing electors, even to the point of adopting a slate of electors themselves, unquote. In the same two week period, Dr. Eastman reached out to many sympathetic state legislators in Pennsylvania, Georgia and Arizona, urging them to decertify Biden electors and certify alternate Trump electors. Just three days after the third meeting, Dr. Eastman admitted that his January 6th plan hinged on electors getting a certification from their state legislators. Without it, the dueling slates would be dead on arrival in Congress. Dr. Eastman's actions in these few weeks, the judge says, indicate that his and President Trump's pressure campaign, they're linked together again, their pressure campaign to stop the electoral count did not end with Vice President Pence. It targeted every tier of federal and state elected officials. Convincing state legislatures to certify competing electors was an essential step to stop the count and ensure President Trump's reelection. That's absolutely mind-boggling. And you know what I keep thinking of when I'm talking about asking for forgiveness and not permission? Let's not file a lawsuit because we don't want an adverse answer on the Pence question. Because if we get an adverse answer, then... Everybody knows we know this shit is illegal. Right now we can just pretend that we have no idea. It's against the law, even though every fucking buddy told us it was, except for, like, these eight dickbags, civic-minded, excuse me, civic-minded individuals. So that makes me think of Louis Gohmert, who actually did file a lawsuit against Vice President Pence. Makes me wonder if he's the, quote, sitting member of Congress that was at one of these three December meetings. Also makes me wonder why he went ahead and filed that lawsuit to pressure Pence when this legal team back in December said, don't do it. It's interesting. It was immediately thrown out. No decision was even made on it. On the merits. It was just thrown out. But Jamie Raskin, the 1-6 committee, says that that lawsuit is kind of a key piece of the entire coup. So that's very interesting. Now, going on here a little bit further down in in some of these uh, other language things I want to point out to you, especially with tying the two together again, you know, which I just read, his and President Trump's pressure campaign did not end with Vice President Pence. Judges are very careful about language, right? And the judge here doesn't say alleged pressure campaign. He doesn't say Eastman and individual ones alleged pressure campaign he doesn't it's dr eastman and donald trump's pressure campaign it's clear over and over again in this document by the way that eastman and trump conspired together to violate federal criminal laws overall the judge found that 440 documents were indeed privileged but 159 have to be handed over to the committee no later then yesterday, Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, just 30 hours before the select committee gavels in their primetime hearing tonight. Now, we know these Eastman emails will not be part of the agenda for tonight's hearing because our friend Hugo Lowell broke the news about the agenda late last night. <laughs> late last night was a, was a thing <laughs> with news. He writes for The Guardian, At the start of the hearing, the panel's chairman, Benny Thompson, and the vice chair, Liz Cheney, will make a series of opening statements before outlining a general roadmap of how each of the six Watergate-style hearings are expected to unfold. That's going to take an hour. The second hour, Thompson and Cheney hand the reins over to Tim Heafy, chief investigative counsel for the select committee, who's a rad person, who will lead the questioning of two witnesses. Nick Quested, the documentarian who followed the Proud Boys around for months and who was also a close personal friend of a friend, I found out. Hi, Nick. And U.S. Capitol Police officer Caroline Edwards, who was the first officer injured in the attack. Now, Hugo continues here. By examining several crucial stages in the lead-up to the first breach of the Capitol by pro-Trump mobs, pro-Trump supporters, such as the march to the Capitol from the Ellipse and the short stop at the Statue of Peace at the foot of Capitol Hill, the panel will show how the attack came to pass. The select committee is then expected to focus on the moment that Joseph Biggs, Proud Boy guy, right, charged with seditious conspiracy this Monday, Joe Biggs had a brief exchange with a man in the crowd near the statue just before the march morphed into the Capitol attack. That man he had that exchange with was Ryan Samsell, widely seen as a tipping point that precipitated the riot. Samsell, who has been charged with attacking police, then walks up alone to the barricade and confronts U.S. Capitol police officers before pushing it over. The select committee will illustrate Quested's testimony about how that incident unfolded by playing footage leading up to the moment and a photo Quested took of the moment that Samsell is about to confront and then push past the officers. Tim Heafy is expected at that point to have the second witness, U.S. Capitol Police Officer Caroline Edwards, testify about her recollections of those key minutes during which she was assaulted by another man who had been speaking with a Proud Boy member. The testimony by Edwards, who was the first officer injured in the attack, is expected to be harrowing. Edwards, the New York Times reported, was knocked backwards into a concrete step by the surging pro-Trump mob that overturned the bike rack-like barricade on top of her. And Heafy is expected to return to Quested to have him analyze other moments that he caught on camera as the Proud Boys led the charge up the inaugural platform erected for Biden's swearing in weeks later and then smashed a window in order to enter the Capitol. But in a notable omission, Hugo says, the select committee is not expected to use Quested's footage of Enrique Tarrio, leader of the Proud Boys, meeting with Stuart Rhodes, leader of the Oath Keepers, at that secret rendezvous the night before in the parking garage. The Justice Department has cited that meeting in the underground parking garage near the Capitol in seditious conspiracy indictments against Tarrio, Rhodes, and other members of both Proud Boys and Oath Keeper groups. And that makes me wonder if the committee maybe doesn't have permission to use it. Or if they've agreed not to, because it's evidence in an ongoing investigation. So if you get mad about something we know happened but isn't mentioned in the hearings, just remember two things. First of all, we aren't the target market. We aren't the target audience. The target audience is the guy who lives next door to you that's never heard of Roger Stone or the lady that you work with that's never heard of the Proud Boys. This is for them. Us justice hounds, we get our garden party when indictments happen. And I really do think they will. The other thing to remember is if something is omitted, it might not just be because it's not important. It just might be too wonky for Mr. and Mrs. John and Jane Citizen, or it might be evidence that could disrupt a DOJ investigation. And for as much as guys like Schiff and Raskin want the whole truth out in their committee, they understand the importance of the Department of Justice maintaining prosecutorial integrity against these shitboxes. So just keep that in mind. These aren't for us. Also, other big news today. Let's let's move move on a little bit. We're gonna the hearing's gonna happen tonight. It's gonna be amazing. I'm gonna, I'm going to be live tweeting them as best I can. We'll be hanging out with some friends, some civic minded <laughs> civic minded citizens. <laughs> but big news today about the hearings. Pat Cipollone has been invited to publicly testify, and he's the John Dean of this administration. He's White House Counsel, right? Though Pat has said he wants to limit his testimony to the meeting where Donald tried, I think it was January 4th, where Donald tried to install Jeffrey Clark to replace Rosen. And Donahue was there and another guy was there from the DOJ and Cipollone was there. And, and the, the guy said, the DOJ said, brother, if you do that, we will all resign. And Clark will preside over a graveyard. And again, he could be withholding. Uh, because of executive or attorney-client privilege. That might be why Pat only wants to talk about this very very narrow thing and not about Trump and his movements and his thoughts during the Capitol attack. He was there for most of that, Cipollone was. So he could be withholding that for attorney-client privilege, executive privilege, whatever. But he also could have been subpoenaed by the Department of Justice and might be limited in his testimony, much like how the Department of Justice limited Rosen and Donahue's testimony when they sat before the committee. And I wonder... If any of these DOJ officials who have been invited or agreed to testify are going to be sitting next to some Department of Justice people who might object to some of the questioning, I don't know. If there's not someone there to do that, then that means all of the questions have been agreed upon and approved ahead of time. Because remember, when Donahue and Rosen and Clark and other members of the Department of Justice testified before the committee behind closed doors, they all got to have their own counsel there. There was House counsel there and then there was DOJ counsel there. And I remember a bunch of people getting mad that the DOJ was objecting to a lot of the questions that the committee was asking and telling these DOJ guys, don't answer that, don't answer that. So if there's not a Department of Justice representative sitting right the fuck next to to Rosen, to Jeffrey Rosen and Donahue, when when they testify, then I would imagine... If, if, if there's no lawyer there, I would imagine that they already know everything that's going to be asked and it's pre-approved. I wouldn't be surprised if every single public testimony didn't have to be pre-approved by the Department of Justice so it doesn't fuck up potential investigations. I mean, think about it. That's what happened. You know, Ollie North, we could go on. Uh, in other news, lawyers for the former president, Ivanka, Donald and Don Jr. have reached an agreement for them to sit for depositions with the New York Attorney General's office beginning July 15th, unless the New York appeals court intervenes. In a joint stipulation filed with the court, attorneys for the Trumps and the New York Attorney General's office agreed they would delay the deadline for the testimony, which would have been Thursday, to allow them time to prepare. The delay also gives the Trumps until Monday to seek a stay of the appellate court's ruling requiring them to sit for depositions. Separately, Wednesday, a New York state judge ordered the former guy to produce additional sworn statements about the Trump organization's document retention and destruction policy before formally purging a civil contempt order. Judge Arthur Engeron said, quote, leaving the contempt order in place is the simplest, most effective way to get the job done, Unquote. He has given Trump until June 17th to submit affidavits from the Trump organization's accounting, marketing, hotel, golf and legal department's explaining the unit's document destruction and retention policies. Yeah, right. Also, there's probably going to be appeals, but it's getting closer. It's getting closer. And the House Democrats are investigating the former guy and his apparent failure to account for gifts from foreign government officials while in office. After learning there may be thousands of dollars worth of items that are either missing or were not tracked properly, according to a new letter sent to the National Archives by the House Oversight and Reform Committee chairwoman and first obtained by CNN. The committee says it has received information from the State Department that, quote, indicates the Trump administration did not prioritize this obligation (laughs) and failed to comply with the law that governs foreign gift reporting during President Trump's final year in office. So the guy who stole 15 boxes of top secret documents, ate his notes, flushed records, tried to steal an election, that guy didn't report foreign gifts to the State Department? How can you be sure? <laughs> good lord. And, and and that, you know, if they couldn't get him on emoluments, what that's what that is. Good luck. I mean, make your criminal referrals, but I don't know. We'll see. All right, everyone, I'll be right back with Lincoln's Bible to bring you the good news. Stay with us.
1: After these messages will be right.
0: Hey, everybody, it's AG. This Father's Day, the perfect gift for dad is an Aura frame. Aura frames make digital picture frames designed to easily fill your home with photos of family and friends shared from an app. You can instantly frame photos from any device anywhere and invite the whole family on the action. Let them all in on the action on the Aura app. It's awesome. Just choose your photos. They'll appear on your frame. Boom, like magic, wherever it is in the world. No memory cards required. Aura has an auto-dimming feature to adjust brightness for the room and to turn off at night when you turn out the lights to save energy, uh, which you know dad will love. You can even preload photos and add a personal video message that will display as soon as he plugs it in and connects it. Um, and every frame comes in a beautiful gift-ready box. It really does. I, when I unboxed mine, it's just, it's beautiful. simple, elegant. I have the new Carver Lux Landscape frame. It intuitively displays related photos side-by-side, which I love and particularly enjoy the speaker for my favorite videos. It's great. Name the number one digital frame by Wirecutter and The Strategist. It's guaranteed to make dad smile. There's free unlimited storage, as many photos and videos as you like. Invite as many people as you want to the frame. There are no hidden fees or subscriptions. Plus, they have a 45-day happiness guarantee, so you can try any frame risk-free. From now until Father's Day, save on the perfect gift and get up to $20 off while supplies last by going to AuraFrames.com and using the code DAILYBEANS. That's up to $20 off while supplies last by going to a u r a frames.com and using code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. And as you know, I care very much about my health. That's why I use Athletic Greens AG1 every day. With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, everything you need to help start your day right. And it's all in one delicious scoop. This special blend of ingredients supports your nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, aging, all the things. Now, Athletic Greens supports mental clarity, too, and alertness, and I love that it gives me better gut health and more energy, all while optimizing my immune system so it keeps me well. For every purchase, they donate to organizations helping to get nutritious foods to kids in need, which is amazing, including No Kid Hungry here in the U.S. In 2020, Athletic Greens donated over 1.2 million meals to children. Amazing. And we want to thank Athletic Greens for their support. And they're offering you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase when you go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. That's athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Again, athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news? near good news good news and if you have good news corrections confessions you want to play, tell me how much of an idiot louis Gomert is uh you want to play uh what the mutt find the cat halloween pictures i take all year as you know you can send everything into us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact and we have a very special guest dana's traveling today we have a very special guest with us to read your good news
1: submissions it's lincoln's bible hi stephanie hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you? Well, I'm fine. How are you doing? Good. I'm looking right at you. I know we're like maybe what two feet away from each other. Recording live, in we could studio? totally just make out. Actually, because right. we're close enough for that. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we are. Everyone, did you get that? Okay. I just didn't want to make every just to make everyone uncomfortable.
0: Just make let's it start, weird. Let's
1: make it weird. Right, right off, off the bat.
0: So, again, just a weird housekeeping thing. There are two versions of the Daily Beans out there right now. You can't tell the difference between them. One of them's going to go away soon, and I don't want you to lose the Daily Beans. So if you are not a patron and you listen to us on Apple, go to apple.co slash beans. That is the real McCoy. That's the one you want to follow and subscribe to. If you're a patron, if you're a supercaster, don't worry about it. Your feed is premium. You don't have to worry about it at all. See how cool it is to be a patron? If you want to be a patron, you can sign up at patreon.com slash wrote, I'm going to have a meet and greet in D.C. on June 18th, and patrons are going to get to know the time and location of that meet and greet. So that would be very cool to see you guys on Saturday, the 18th. We can talk hearings. All right, we're going to kick off the good news with an anonymous submission, pronouns she and her. Oh, they're kitty. All right, so anonymous says, a correction, please. On today's episode, Rudy's Butt Dial Taint Team, <laughs> you mentioned the Peachtree DeKalb Airport. It's pronounced Decab County, not Decalb. The county will keep coming up, so now you know from someone who lived there her whole adult life. Decab County. Attached is my pod pet, Miss Claus. She's been all over the country with me and is possibly the most spoiled cat in history. P.S. I moved from Decab to San Diego two years ago. I love it here. Welcome. I love San Diego too, and I will try to remember Decab, but like Help me out if I get it wrong
1: again and be and be kind. So Yeah. And I mispronounce everything all the time. Because look at this. baby I, And that cat is gorgeous. That's a gorgeous cat. Yes. It's got a little Maine Coon vibe going on with it. Totally. With the earpiece. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, ear yeah. fluffs. The ear floof
0: and the big yeah. tail. Christmas tree tail. Yeah.
1: All right. What do we got next, Stephanie? OK, well, we have Mary. She, her. And Mary says, my husband and I visited Niagara Falls, New York for a few days last week Seeing the falls in person was an awesome, humbling experience. Mm. There's a pedestrian bridge in addition to a regular car bridge that connects Niagara Falls, New York to Niagara Falls, Canada. We crossed over into Canada one day. Oh, my God, she totally should have just stayed in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) I I would not have been on this bridge and spent a few hours on the Canadian side taking pictures and people watching. I like going on road trips more than I like flying. And I'm already thinking about what our next road trip could be. We live in Massachusetts, so any suggestions for points west or south would be welcome. One of my life goals is to visit all 50 states. I'm attaching two pictures of my submission. In the first photo, we were able to get really close to the falls, which was really awesome. The second photo is taken from a state park on the U.S. side. Okay, it it, it, it is awesome, you guys. Uh, uh, we went there God, years ago. On the Canadian side, there's this strange little town not far um, from Niagara Falls too, that everyone should go see. It has it's like forever Christmas town. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's where I think it's the uh, where the Shaw uh, George Bernard Shaw like festival is every year. For it's really interesting. So the Canadian side, in my opinion, is just way better. Mm. I like it way better.
0: It's That's cleaner, true for a business. lot of things
1: now. I think really. so. And in terms of Massachusetts, I recommend. Well, if you haven't gone to the Cape, get out to the Cape. Mm. Um, i think that's a great place to go and i I would
0: say take take the whatever that interstate is across the top of the country through big sky yeah 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 through big sky and then over to the pacific northwest that would be such
1: a cool road trip that would be amazing
0: and then i would personally go drive all the way down to the bottom of california from there but i would not take the the eight back across to florida you do not need to go through Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, and uh, Florida.
1: Yeah. I know there's so such good food though that if you do. But here's the thing: you just described the high-speed rail route that mm-hmm. is proposed. I'm very
0: excited about this. Now, I will say, every single city on that route back is amazing. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's those drives of nothing in between. Yes, that like. And to be fair, I was by myself. So you know what I'm just I'm just imposing my horrible drive. You really on the are. Eight, you really are. And really,
1: <laughs> you're also conjuring up my nightmare childhood <laughs> because I grew up in Kansas and it was just you know. Uh, Western Kansas and Eastern Colorado is just this, it's the worst drive ever. And I, as you were describing that, all I could see was this drive that we made all the time. Yeah, I, yeah. It's like Los
0: Angeles, Palm Springs, Rad. And then really, there's nothing until you get to like Dallas, Houston. <laughs> yeah. Like it
1: gets cool. Down Actually, in it doesn't
0: Dallas is the 40. Down there, I think it's. Uh, it's Houston. You go it's San Houston. Antonio, maybe. San Antonio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very cool cities in Texas. Very. Yeah amazing um drive through the south through louisiana alabama like oh my god very cool cities and very
1: cool people it's so cool don't do it in the summer though but
0: don't do it in the you'll summer.
1: burst into flames after you melt yeah from... i was in august oh no that's it awful. Was horrible that's why all right
0: next up from Heda ray pronouns she and her <laughs> i don't know if it's Heda or Heda, i think Heta ray hi i wanted to share some good news for mo uh about the court case for queer I want to plug Eli Clare's book, Exile and Pride, Disability, Queerness and Liberation. Eli does an amazing job of unpacking why certain words have the emotional impact they do as he explores why some words he could reclaim as an activist while others continue to hurt through all the layers of personal experiences, history, politics, and well, trying to even put names to all the ways these terms get unpacked feels like it does a disservice to the richness of Eli's writing and the impact it has had on me. As an educator, I used excerpts from the chapter called Freaks and Queers as part of teaching material for future medical professionals to help them understand the history of stigmatizing language used with people who have disabilities and the emotional impact it has on people. I suggest that Mo read it too, so you can both have a little book club and discuss it in hopes it helps your own experiences with these words. Here's a link to the book in the show notes. It's at dukepress.edu slash exile hash and hash pride. Uh, The first time I heard someone use queer in a reclaiming way was my first girlfriend. We were joking about the old story about dykes holding back the ocean. And she said, I thought they meant me at first. You know, we're here, we're queer, oceans steer clear. (laughs) (laughs) I used that as an internal battle cry a few times when I needed some extra courage and to stop taking myself too seriously. Her humor and ease with using these terms with herself uh, is an empowering way which did much to rob the stigmatizing power many words have from my heart. For tax, not a pet, but check out the eye shadow on this bird I saw hanging out in the zoo. <laughs> the wild birds that chose to live outside the cages were all well-fed and fearless. Yeah, that's that's some Margot Tannenbaum. I think that's a duck. I make, that's gotta be. It's s- a water bird for sure. Sarah Quackabee Sanders with her perfect smoky eyes. Oh my
1: God, I've forgotten about that. The Huckabees? Hamburger Huckabee. She's She's going to be a governor. She's going to end up the governor. I know. It's really awful. I know. Let's not talk about it. this. I don't want to talk segment. about This is good news. This is a good news. Okay. Okay. This is from Anonymous. Hi, ladies. Wanted to give you all an update about Mr. Question Mark. Fancy Nuts the Squirrel. Oh, because we don't know if the squirrel's a girl or a boy. Okay. Mm. So Mr. Fancy Nuts. Is... Saturday morning, I heard lots of roof stomping and scurrying around. Then strange scratching noises. During the morning bathroom routine, saw a bushy flash run past the open doorway. Oh no. Oh, that squirrel's in the house, AJ. Did I close all the windows? I followed him through the house as he sniffed for treats. After a few minutes, he climbed up on an ornament in front of my fireplace and defiant... Wait a minute. I'm going to have to unpack this story in a second. I'm going to finish and then we're going to go back because there's a lot going on in this story. I'm going to start here. After a few minutes, he climbed up on an ornament in front of my fireplace and defiantly turned around, swooshed his tail and jumped into the fireplace and up the chimney. Sneaky little fucker. Respect. (laughs) Wanted to share this fun treat with you as we probably need it after whatever was in the news earlier. Love you, ladies. Okay. (laughs) After whatever was in the news earlier. There's an ornament on you. It is June. Okay, look. There's an ornament on the fireplace. No, I don't think it's like a Christmas ornament. I think it's like a... Oh, my God. There he is. Look at it. Mr. Fancy F- Fuffy Fuckface. What's his name? Mr. Fancy Nuts the Squirrel. Okay. And and the, the tail is a blur. It is a blur. I can see what blur. you mean by the blur. I think that's very aggressive. I think this squirrel wants to attack you. That is an aggressive stance. It's totally aggressive. It's just, I would be terrified of this squirrel. He is not your friend. Look at his cute feet though. It's not. Those are claws. He can and <laughs> they look like he could actually uh take things apart with them like a raccoon. <laughs> I don't know about this squirrel. I like him. All right. He did go. He did go up the chimney. He did went up the chimney. Probably the way he came down. Also, if you have squirrels in your roof or in your chimney, you you actually should probably get that taken care of. I think it's going to cause a problem for you.
0: Yeah, I get him sp- 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 like scurrying across my roof all the time on the top just outside from tree to tree yeah yeah yeah. always interesting all right finally from d collins pronouns he and him forgive me favas for i have sinned this is my first confession get it favas because we're the daily beans this it. is my first confession so please excuse my veiled attempt at beans dad humor it's pretty good it was good uh my confession is that i'm a chronic beans binger i've developed a nasty habit of saving several weeks of episodes to pass the time while I work on my creative projects. I have to admit this last bundle of shows have been absolutely spectacular and definitely have satisfied my cravings for well-balanced news updates and cathartic humor. The reason I thought it necessary to confess my odd listening habit is intermittent faster, I think, (laughs) is it has gotten me into some trouble at work. I work in an open office and share a few cubicle walls with my colleagues. I often find myself audibly scoffing at news segments of the fuckwads from the previous administration and generally anything dealing with the GOP overall. There was even a time recently when I was listening to a particularly hilarious good news segment where both of you were losing your collective shit and wheeze laughing at a commenter's story. Well, I paused that show mid-laugh fit when I was approached to answer a question. When I went to resume the episode, my Bluetooth headphones had lost their connection and my phone proceeded to play the full volume, loud stomach groaning, out of context women saying, oh my God, over and over, which made it appear as if the content I was listening to was less than safe for work. (laughs) Oh my my goodness. That's what we were doing. Uh, Needless to say, this is my own fault for letting myself get so behind that I am less vigilant when getting my next dose of news with swears. As penance, I'm attaching pod pet pics of my five-year-old blind rescue Stevie, a.k.a. Stevie Wonder, and my six-year-old rescue Odie for your what-the-mutt guessing pleasure. I know, I'm not looking at the answer. I see that the answer has been put, for some reason, producers, above the picture, and it needs to be below the picture. So I have I saw the word answer, and I'm covering it up, and I'm just going to look, and I'm, I'm not going to look at the answers because okay. I am a fair,
1: fair I, person. I looked. I, I'm not fair. I, okay, well, let me see if I, I can guess. spoil
0: it. Also included photos of holiday house decorations, since I feel additionally guilty. All right, so now I've scrolled down so I can't see the answers. All right, th- there looks like there's German Shepherd and Pitbull in here.
1: Oh, this is a, totally a pity, though. This one, the that he doesn't one know with, with the glasses. second one with the glasses is yeah.
0: definitely Pitbull. Definitely. Maybe a little American Bulldog, Staffordshire Terrier, and probably there's Chow Chow in Every Dog Chows. We found out through our game here that oh, we do- Chow Chows get around. Oh, Stephanie, God. I don't know if you know, There's but lots. most mutts okay. have some chow in them. All oh my right.
1: God, the chows. You know, I was, as you were reading this in the beginning, I got to tell you, it's sounded like, okay, this is like a plant, right? This is like, this is an Allison, you know, because it was so like um, a confession and I binge it all and everything. And then he gets to the workplace thing and it's like, okay, I love it. I all right. So it.
0: the answer there, Stevie is boxer shepherd. Okay. Makes sense. Looks like a boxer shepherd for sure. For Odie, best guess since we don't have his record since he was rescued from Hurricane Irma,
1: is a pity mix. That's yeah. a pit. We see the for pit. sure. We see the pity for sure. That's a pity. Okay, that we love pities pit, here. But we, yeah. We're a big pit. We're a big pit house. You have here. a wonderful pibble. Yeah, she would love this guy with yes. the glasses. And I understand putting the glasses on your like. I, all I want to <laughs> do is make hats and for my dog. <laughs> They suddenly have pit bulls. They'll let you do anything to them. Yeah. So you just, you know, you just want to dress them up. They're adorable. They're so fun. Stephanie, this has been so awesome. Oh, I'm glad. Thank you for helping
0: me read the good news. Everybody follow Lincoln's Bible on Twitter. You must. You yeah. must. And you have to check out The World Beneath, which is her incredible, amazing podcast series. Yeah.
1: And then Elizabeth I is coming out. I'm so excited. That'll be really great. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, I'm excited amazing. for that. And then, uh, was it every Friday you do the five eight? Oh my God, the five eight! I forgot about that ah! show. <laughs> yeah, Greg Ollier and I every Friday at five o'clock, uh, West Coast time, eight o'clock East Coast time. You have to put this on my network. This has to be on MSW Media.
0: Okay, at least the links. We can talk okay. about other background uh, stuff later. Take but...
1: it. I, I mean, like we're just trying to do the live YouTube thing and uh and get that. Get that going. So we would love everyone to watch that over on YouTube. The last time I was on the
0: 5-8, Catherine Keener and Rosanna Arquette just were ghosting behind us in the background, (laughs) popping their heads up like the Snosages dogs in the commercials. (laughs) Like, hi, I'm Catherine Keener. (laughs) That was so fun.
1: I know. It's so great. Yeah, it's it's very interesting over here. You never know. I have one of those houses where you just never know who's going to come through the door. So, yeah, it's always fun. So we do have that salon vibe going with the 5 eight, and then we do five topics, eight minutes each. Mm-hmm. Um, so it yeah. has kind of a bone and a structure to it. We just have fun. It's, it's for, it is. And it's Greg Oliar. And, and it's Lincoln's Greg Oliar.
0: And by the way, guys, uh, Lincoln's Bible and I will be watching the hearings tomorrow. Well, tonight for you listening together uh, from Kathy Griffin's house. You don't. If if you don't follow us on Twitter, follow us on Twitter. Muller Are she we wrote gonna do stuff? Bible.
1: We should like.
0: We'll just be tweeting. It. I
1: feel like I feel like we should take this microphone.
0: Now well, we might, yeah, and and my I know patrons. <laughs> I know my show. We should record some stuff. We have uh, for patrons. They're going to be doing a watch party, and so I might be popping in on that, and we could we can pop in from Kathy's on that. Oh, that's but cool. Okay, that's for patrons. Again, super cool to be a patron. It's like three bucks a month. I'm just saying. And you make the show possible. I want to take a minute to thank our patrons. Anyway, that is the show. Everyone, I appreciate you. I will be back tomorrow. I think Dana is going to be back tomorrow. Um, And we have our happy hour Zoom call on Friday. Uh, That's tomorrow as well. uh, Because, you know, the time travel thing. Um, That will be for patrons at uh, 4 Pacific, where you can ask me questions, ask me anything. That's for patrons too. All right, everybody, until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health, and vote blue over Q. M.S.W. I'm Media.